0: So this is why I call on everyone to really work with intention to be an ally. And again, it's both men and women, because there are women who were like me before I had my my moment of realizing I had an obligation, that I was in a position of privilege and power, and I needed to be the role model and be an ally that we just need more allyship behavior.
1: Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Minzion, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Minzion. Welcome to or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering, where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzio, your host, and my mission is to help leaders like you unlock the leadership principles and learnings of the best in the business to get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver your greatest results. An iconic partner leader, focused on breaking through the gender equity divide and helping all of us become Better allies. My next guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering needs no introduction. Gabriella Schuster is the former channel chief of Microsoft and now a three time guest on this podcast. I was so excited to welcome Gabriella back as a recent Microsoft alum and for a conversation on her mission and just cause to break through diversity and equity inclusion gaps and give us advice on how we can all be better allies. I hope you enjoy my time with this amazing leader as much as I enjoyed welcoming back, Gabriella Schuster. Before we dive into the interview, I'm happy to announce that PartnerTap has become a founding sponsor of Ultimate Guide to Partnering. PartnerTap is the only partner ecosystem platform designed for the enterprise. Their technology makes it easy to align channel teams with automated account mapping, letting you control what data you share while building a partner revenue engine. Gabriella, welcome back to the podcast.
0: Thanks, Vince. I'm so happy to be here.
1: I am so excited to have you back on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. This is your third visit to this podcast. I can't believe it. And last time you were a guest, you were leading Microsoft's partner business a lot has changed. So I'm so excited to have you back. A lot to talk about today about life post Microsoft. So welcome.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: So you left Microsoft last year and you have been amazingly busy. Like no dust is settling on Gabriella here. I was checking your LinkedIn page and boy, there's a lot of activity, a lot of things you've been up to. So I was hoping you could give our listeners some updates
0: so I left last September but I was planning to leave for probably about a year or so I had you know laid some tracks for what I wanted to do which was really focus a lot more on diversity equity and inclusion and I just didn't have enough time with that in a full-time job So since I left I've been reading a lot and I and that's what I try and share on LinkedIn is I find some really interesting, research, articles, just information on how we can drive for more diversity, equity, and inclusion in high tech, particularly gender equity, which is just going in the wrong way. And I've been trying to find ways that I can accelerate change at scale. How do I really drive awareness? I've identified three areas where I think it would make a huge difference if we could them done. One is that I would love to see the some public policy require any organization that has more than a hundred employees to report their diversity figures in a transparent way. They all create an EEO one report that they send to the EEOC, but that is private data uh, and it doesn't go anywhere. What I'd love to see is the SEC require that report become public because that would enable us to get at an apples-to-apples comparison and a common taxonomy on how we report on diversity. We would be able to do benchmarking and really understand by industry, by job role, where our challenges really are across diversity and equity relative to is it recruiting? Is it retention? Is it promotion, et cetera? Because today, a lot of that is just based on research, surveys, highly skewed data. So that's one thing is really getting that to be a transparent requirement so that investors could make better decision-making and we could generally have a much cleaner view of the ecosystem and people could make better hiring and job decisions and then investment decisions.
1: So you're saying that information isn't readily available. So there's a little bit of a black hole for us, right? A lot of the information we're gathering or we're reporting on is anecdotal. Is that what you're saying?
0: It's a big black hole. So organizations choose to report and what they report. So, for instance, Microsoft reports that information, but there's no standard for it. So they reported how they want to report it, mm-hmm. as do many Fortune 500 companies, and and then not all of them do. And really, only the ones who think they're doing something about it report. So you get this very skewed view of what's going on.
1: Right. That's very interesting because I don't think many people know that, including myself.
0: Yeah. So that's one thing as I'm lobbying for that to happen. The second thing is I would like to raise awareness of the gender equity challenges in high tech specifically and really encourage men and women to be better allies to those that are not in a privileged position in wherever they are. So raising awareness to what is an ally, actions allies take, and how to become one. So that's another area where I've been really focused. And I created an ebook that um, talks about how do you hire for diversity and then how do you act like an ally? And then the third area is obviously tech, right? Because that's my roots, is how can technology really drive for digital transformation of organizational culture? Looking at, there's a startup group of DEI tech. If we can get that to be more mainstream, then uh, we route out a lot of the embedded bias that exists within current HR systems.
1: Can you expand on that just a little bit?
0: So I'll give you an example. There's an organization called Included that automates a lot of the work that I had been doing as a leader. Microsoft had been doing with HR manually. So for instance, I required in my organization that every candidate pool had at least two diverse candidates and two external candidates and that we had a diverse hiring panel. Now, that relied on the honor system with my team, and I would just ask a lot of questions. This technology is actually a data mart that pulls API data from about 30 different HR systems, so depending on which ones you have in your organization, and pulls all that data together. And you can put rules in like that. And as a manager, it would actually flag for me if one of my teams wasn't Uh, following the rules that I had set out in the organization. I'll give you another example. At the review time, we would do all sorts of kind of manual manipulation on the data to see if we had any unconscious bias sneaking into the reviews or rewards that we were providing to people. This system does all of those kinds of calculations in, automated and just pre- presents to you any red flags. It's really that kind of stuff where it can be embedded in your systems and you don't know it. And it shines a spot, spotlight back out.
1: Those are three great pillars, by the way, we're going to talk. We want to talk more about gender equity challenges and allyship in a moment. But I want to bring you back to a point in time. When you were on the podcast in November, 2020, you had just flown back from Colorado, I believe from that Ted talk that you delivered and it hadn't been released yet. So it hadn't been readily available to people like myself to listen to, but that was, I believe a defining moment. So many people that I know talked about your Ted talk. In fact, they still talk about that Ted talk. And I was hoping you could bring us back to that event for a moment and what it meant to you.
0: Yeah, sure. So that was my stake in the ground that said, this is very important. We are at a crisis moment and we need to take action now. Actually, I think since then, things have actually gotten worse. (laughs) So I'm hoping we're still at that crisis moment and I'm still hoping we can turn the tide and and start getting uh, back to better. Yeah, it was a way for me to raise the flag and say, look, it, it is not getting better. It's not okay. You may think of a moment when you're like, oh, I think things are getting better. There's usually one or two women in the things that I do, the places that I go, and it's, yeah, one or two out of how many? Yeah. Like 15, 20, 100. (laughs) That's right. It was really my first real stake in the ground on a very public moment to, to, as I said, lay the ground for where I wanted to go and the work that I wanted to do.
1: This is your just cause. And I'd like to feel back with you. We didn't have this conversation last time you were on, but it, I've had Dr. Michael Gervais here a couple yep. of times now. We've talked about personal philosophy and just cause, and you've been pretty yeah. deliberate about this. Yeah, it Seems that it is your clear just cause. And can you articulate for us why?
0: Yeah. So the why is because I, I don't think that women should have to go through what I've been through. And that but it is just not it's not right as a society that we continue to subrogate women and that these gaps, these equity gaps, continue to exist. I also believe that as a society, that there's a lot of research showing when women are equal participants in the workforce, equal participants in an organization, better things happen, greater innovation, better decision-making, higher profitability, higher revenue per employee. So there's a lot of research that backs that up. And I had read Melinda Gates' book, Moment of Lift, which was one of those bolstering moments for me when I was like, yeah, and it goes way beyond even what I've seen in my small world, that when you enable and empower women to be productive participants in society, a lot of the challenges society faces go away. And it's, it really was like, yes, this is what I'm here for. This is why I got to where I got so that I could be a voice. I could be a megaphone. I could amplify this message and drive for change.
1: You mentioned earlier, like we've gone backwards. Why do you suppose we're not seeing enough positive movement? I still look around the room and it's still a bunch of white guys, right? In the technology sector, we're very much a white male dominated sector. And then also yeah. the money that's being raised. First of all, the CEOs, the is at the CEO level, striking how limited it is. Yeah. And then also the, all the fundraising activity, all yeah. male founders for the most part.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Evil, yeah, so there, I think there's a number of reasons why tech hasn't changed because when you look at other fields, like uh, the medical field, right? Now it's almost 50-50 in terms of the student population, male, female in the medical field. Similar even in science, but not in tech. And so I think there's a few things. One is the curriculum. The tech curriculum hasn't changed in 20 years. And so it's it is heavily... Male bias curriculum. not to mention that it actually doesn't really prepare anybody, I think, for coming into tech these days, but it's heavily male biassed.
1: So So talk to me about that male biased curriculum, because I don't like maybe as an observer, I'm blinded to this, but tell me more about it.
0: If you're in in schools. And I've seen this because of my children, and you want to learn how to program gaming. They still go back and teach you a lot of shoot 'em up gaming. That's how they start to te- teach you what, what, so
1: it cowboys is. and Indians.
0: Yeah. And so that's very not appealing. What the research shows appeals to younger girls is this idea of. A higher mission, and that's not. They don't teach you like that. It's about problem solving and what the bigger picture is, and how do you problem solve through that? That's really what innovation in tech is today. But that's not the way that they teach that, and they also do teach it very much in silos and piecemeal, small. You get small snippets, and very much like you're just sitting down and doing, just doing a bunch of math or something. It's Mm. not, And so I don't think this is just like deterring women. I think this deters a lot of people, younger people, when they're going down because they think technology, oh, cool. And they think of the ways they use technology today. And then you go into a classroom and that's not what they're teaching, right? So I think that's the beginning. Then it snowballs from there because there is still a lot of bias within the education professorship that this is still that boys are better than girls, men are better than women. And so they tend to call on the the boys more. And even I was mentoring somebody and we had a, a conversation a couple months ago and I was talking about allyship and what does allyship look like. And I said women tend to get interrupted more often. When they do bring forth ideas, they tend to be dismissed. And then there's that heap eating. And there's even words for these things, right? Where a a guy will say exactly what a woman said and everybody thinks it's brilliant. But when the woman said it, nobody even paid attention,
1: right? Mm. You've talked about this before. What did you refer to it as? Heap
0: eating. Heap heating. Yeah. And, And so when I was talking to her, she said, oh, that happens to me in class all the time. And I and she said we're set up in teams. I'm oftentimes the only girl in the team and then I try to share my opinion, shape the direction of the team and the boys will say, "Oh, you're being so aggressive. Oh, you're being too bossy." And I just get so worn down, I just stop. No, don't stop. Don't stop.
1: <laughs> so, what can we do? We've had Jennifer DDA, who I know yeah. is a friend. Yeah. Another ally. And we've talked about this subject of STEM and training and the like. What can we do differently? What could we do better?
0: So this is why I call on everyone to really work with intention to be an ally. And again, it's both men and women because there are women who were like me before I had my, my moment of realizing i had an obligation that i was in a position of privilege and power and i needed to be the role model and be an ally that we just need more allyship behavior so you know what i've defined in my ebook there's six allyship behaviors advocate listen lift include elevate and sponsor those are actions that you have to be very intentional about. You have to really focus in the situations that you're in to raise your situational awareness, to see and understand what's going on around you and where somebody might need an ally. And the first three of those actions, advocate, listen, and lift, are reactive. You don't need anybody's permission to be an ally in those situations where somebody is getting constantly getting interrupted, when somebody is being dismissed or somebody's being asked to do something, singled out or excluded because of their race or their gender. At you, that's a, a sense of human compassion that you own the situation. You don't look around and try and shame or blame anybody, and you try and change the dialogue. You disrupt the status quo, right? So those three don't need anybody's permission to do. The last three are proactive. So include, elevate, and sponsor, where if you're going to be an ally to someone, you do need their permission because you are going to spotlight. You are going to elevate their position. You are going to sponsor them into new opportunities. And so you need to be working together and they, they need to agree that's something they
1: want to do. I'm so excited to welcome Athletic Greens as the latest sponsor to Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Friends who know me well know I've made taking a green drink supplement part of my health ritual for over 20 years now, and it has made all the difference to my health and well-being. About five years ago, I added Athletic Greens, and now their product, AG1, has become my go-to green drink supplement. I take this literally every single day. AG1 is packed with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens. It literally has replaced every vitamin in my cabinet. I take it at the start of the day and often have a second serving on days when I really need it. If you'd like to give AG1 a try, Athletic Greens is giving away a free one year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with every new purchase. Check them out at athleticgreens.com forward slash Vince M. So advocate, listen, lift, include, elevate, sponsor. And we're going to provide, you're going to give us the links for this. We're going to provide links in the show notes so people can download the book. Yep. Great. Great. So we've talked extensively about allyship. You've brought this up here as well. I want to know what I can do. Like, I have a group of listeners that are male as well. I think the representation is probably 60-40. So specifically for the men in the room, I want you to be deliberate in telling us across this, what would you like to see from us? Where can we help?
0: Yeah, I I would like to see you be allies active allies in every situation everywhere that you go think about are the people who should be here represented and if not how do i point them out that out and get them represented to even take a stand that says i'm not going to participate in something that doesn't have equal representation that i am going to have that Raise my own situational awareness to, to get out of my own head in the situations that I'm in and to really pay attention, listen, lift up those around me, build people's confidence, build confidence for the women, let them know the things that they're doing well and that I'm here and that I'm supporting them in their leadership and authority. Allyship takes working with intention every single day, every single moment.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. As you might know, when I brought back the podcast back in June of 2020, and the world was on fire during that time, and I looked around even at the list of guests, the first 60 episodes, and it was still very much white male dominated.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: and I personally have been very deliberate on this, as you might know.
0: Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate your allyship. I do.
1: Thank you. I do it because I believe in it. And Mm -hmm. I was raised by a very strong mother. I had both parents were very were wonderful parents, but a very strong mother and I learned quite a bit about the strength of women and what women bring and uh, and ensuring that gets people that that those voices are lifted yeah, so let's talk about you like we haven't really discussed we talked about this, but we haven't talked about other things that Gabrielle has been up to, so what does life look like for Gabriella three to five years
0: from now? So I have also been, I'm on the board of directors for a few different startup organizations, which is great. It enables me to continue my work in tech and play a similar role to the one I played at Microsoft, really, in terms of setting the direction, coaching an organization and driving for growth. So that's been really fun. My husband and I bought a house in California so we could get away from the rain in Seattle.
1: <laughs> it doesn't rain in Seattle, does it? <laughs> what? <laughs> I saw pictures. Uh, it's, it looks lovely. It looks lovely.
0: It is. And so I, my husband and I, we go out nice long walks on the beach with our dogs. And it's great because it's a dog-friendly beach. So we run into so many. It's like a dog party every day. <laughs> nice,
1: nice. We have a dog-friendly beach here as well. I love it. I love it.
0: Yeah. And, and my kids, I, I'm spending some time with my kids. My my daughter's pursuing her master's. My son's getting his undergraduate degree. And it's, it's enabled us to spend a little bit more time with them. And my daughter and I are actually going on a trip. We're going on a trip to Europe in the summer for two weeks. And so I'm just like, I hope that COVID is doesn't spike up again and yep. we stay well and we can go on the trip.
1: <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. So I have a sense that you have this great source of inner strength, inspiration. Where did it come
0: from? I think it is it's fed from the people that I have met throughout my career that I really get my energy from helping others and from helping, not just helping others do things, but empowering others, helping others to find their inner strength and be able to fulfill who they are and walk into their own authenticity. I get a lot of strength from watching people do that. And so I like to work with people and help them to find that, to find their center for me, I think it, it started from my parents. My, my dad was an incredibly driven person and instilled in me a lot of the values of empowering others and, and helping.
1: I recall you talking about your dad, and I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I do recall a conversation, it might have been a podcast, where you talked about your dad went through a career crisis or however you refer to it, yeah. maybe lost his, lost his role. Was that a spark for you as well?
0: That was absolutely a defining moment um, in my life. My, My dad was, funny enough, about the same age as I am now. And he lost his job after 27 years in the same place. And it crushed him. His whole ego had been tied to his position and he was lost. And I decided that I wasn't going to let that happen to me. Now, I have a different perspective on it. Now that I'm at that age, and I think that sadly he realized he wasn't doing what he wanted to do, but he had no, he had lost himself in his job and, and in that identity. And he didn't know what he wanted to do. Whereas that was, that was actually probably the thing that drove me to decide, Hey, it's time to go off and do this on my own. Was I was like, I'm, I don't need to stay at Microsoft. I don't need to be a corporate vice president to know my worth and to be able to pursue the things that matter to me.
1: I just love what you're doing and I love your just cause. And I'm so delighted to see where you're going on this journey, Gabriella. Thank you. So let's have a little bit of fun. Yeah, I love asking this question. I might've asked you once before, but I'm going to ask you this again, because I think maybe the answers might be a little bit different, but now that we're like beyond COVID and you're traveling, which is wonderful, you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite any three guests from the present or the past to this dinner party. It's an amazing party you're going to have probably on the beach in California. Who would you invite and why?
0: Ah, that's easy for me. I would invite three women that I so admire that I think would help me to understand what I could do even more. And that is Melinda Gates, Oprah Winfrey, and Michelle Obama. Wow. Not only would it just be totally fun, I think, <laughs> at a dinner party, but I think they would really like, we could really talk about the experiences that they've had, and I could learn so much from each of them.
1: What a great conversation that would be. I might have to come by for maybe a glass of wine or something, and or I can take the dogs on the beach for you while you're having your party. How's that? (laughs) Well, that is amazing. Oh wow, three amazing women and role models. In fact, I follow each of them. I just want to thank you. I want to say sincerely how much how grateful I am for your friendship. You are always that person. I think I might have mentioned this once to you before, but no matter how busy you were. And as a corporate vice president, you're pretty darn busy. You would always respond. You'd always reach out. And that to me means the world. And that's just indicative of the type of person you are, Gabrielle. But for our listeners, any parting words? You gave us some great advice, certainly for all of us on allyship. Any parting remarks for our listeners here today?
0: Yeah, like I said, the, the world is, I think, a little crazy at the moment with the war, which I just thought we were, I was hoping we were so past as a humanity. And then with what's going on in our country, the division that's occurring, I think we need to really all step into allyship, to look at the things that are happening and say, that was, if that's me, what how do I change this? This is humanity. This is me. This is my world. How do we get back to a path that enables us to be fully participating as our authentic selves and not hiding, not having to hide who we are? And really, how do we all step into our allyship?
1: Great advice for our listeners. Thank you so much, Gabriella. Thank you for joining us today.
0: Thank you so much, Vince.
1: As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzion on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page or drop me a line at Vince M at ultimate-partnerships.com This episode of the podcast is sponsored by PartnerTap the partner ecosystem platform most trusted by enterprise Drive more revenue with your partners and learn more at partnertap.com